0: Thank you guys for tuning in to the On It podcast. This week's guest is my good buddy, Ryan Bader. And uh, Ryan's had uh, quite the career. We fought each other back in the day, uh, trying to get on to the Ultimate Fighter Season 8. And Ryan ended up choking me out. But uh, we remain friends. Uh, I've been at his wedding. I love his wife, Daisy. We we really dive into a lot of cool stuff in this podcast. Uh, Talking about his fight career, his recent win over Phil Davis, becoming light heavyweight champion of the world in Bellator. As well as family and creating uh, the optimal living situation and what he's getting into outside of fighting. So give it a listen. Let me know what you
1: think. Hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. My Ryan. brother, Ryan Bader. What's going on? I like your podcast voice. Fuck
0: yeah. It's totally different. It's radio. We are here. Hey, with <laughs> Ryan Bader. Kyle
1: Kingsbury. Yeah.
0: I, uh, I was telling you, I just uh, interviewed uh, Uriah Faber and I call him up and his, it goes to voicemail and it's the old WEC, fucking intro the california kid really, Uriah
1: Faber. <laughs> awesome. and i
0: was fucking i was like that is classic if i had that audio i'd, I'd for sure <laughs> throw it in there better, yeah that'd be my voicemail yeah that's great yeah i'm not getting much from the ufc in terms of uh <laughs> like footage and shit like that that ain't gonna happen anytime soon no they you're not on their uh their good boy list uh so we're we're out here at uh at your beautiful home and this is uh queen creek
1: queen creek arizona yeah and that's how much. what is that like 30 minutes south of phoenix yeah it's like a suburb of phoenix phoenix is so big it's it's uh it's really i mean you couldn't tell if you just kept driving you flew into phoenix airport and just kept driving you'd just be in the city until you showed up here you know but uh what i like about this spot um you know we're fortunate enough uh that we were able to build a house on my in-laws so my my wife's parents are big ranch so they have 75 acres out here and it feels like we're in the middle of the country um but we're right in town so it's kind of the best in both worlds you know i can be anywhere and uh that i need to be within 30 40 minutes you know and then uh um but at the same time you know we can take the kids out in the yard um we can ride horses we can be loud we can do whatever we want there's no hoas there's no nobody telling you what you can and can't do so my biggest thing, um, you know, really, and once you have kids and everything, and in life, it's not like, oh, I want to make this amount of money, or I want to do this, or, I want to have this car, or, I wanted, I wanted to have something um, to kind of replicate, kind of how I grew up. I grew out up out in the country, was able to do what I what I want, um, and so what I wanted, uh, I wanted somewhere where basically my kids can grow up, they can learn different values of instead of just being you know, in the city and in doing the rat race day-to-day stuff. Um, so they get to learn different things out here. You know, we're going to get a bunch of animals and we're going to, you know, uh, get chickens and they're going to have to go out there, clean it up, get eggs. You know, we're going to get little, you know, donkeys and whatnot. And so um, I kind of, I grew up kind of that way and I felt like it instilled a work ethic and it felt like it it, uh, it just helped me out just in life in general. So I kind of want to, That's that's my biggest thing in life to be able to just have my kids be able to, to experience that from an early age Get the and best of both worlds yeah kind of, and, right? and 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 be able to you know do stuff with them experience stuff with them you know it, as far as you know in, in the house we were before oh it's a nice house and this and that but i felt like we were just cooped up and you know we we're just the day-to-day stuff so uh yeah we you know coming out here we, we built this house and moved in probably last january february and we've been having a great time
0: Oh yeah. So talk about growing up a bit. You were from Reno. Is that right? So
1: I was, uh, I was born in St. Mary's, Idaho, time, you know, probably an hour and a half from Spokane by kind of by Coeur d'Alene, a little logging town. I think there's 5,000 people population. That's where my parents kind of grew up. Um, you know, they met in high school there. Uh, that's what you did up there after mm-hmm. high school. You had babies, you know, so my mom had me when she was 18. My dad was 20. So they're young. And, uh, but we moved to Reno when I was uh, two years old, so I grew up in Reno. You know, and uh, um, I grew up just playing sports. I, I wrestled. I played football. I played baseball. Then in high school, I dropped the baseball. Um, I excelled at at wrestling and football. Wrestling being kind of my main my main deal. I do it year round. Uh, but was a good football player. You know, I was. Uh, um, we were a really good team. One state, we we're top twenty five in the nation. I got defensive play of the year, and I loved I loved football also. But Um, And then I ended up getting a scholarship to go to ASU um, to come down here and wrestle. Uh, And I also looked at Oregon, but I came down here, I loved it. And that's how I ended up in uh, Arizona in 2001. Redshirted, wrestled my four years. And then uh, um, really because of the people, the friendships, and and, uh, those connections I made, I stayed down here in Arizona and and now I have a family, you know. So uh, it's crazy, time flies, but it feels like yesterday I just graduated college, you know. And I mean... You know, you it's and I nuts. were on the Ultimate Fighter, and that feels like you look back and that was December 2008 was a finale. Yeah, you know, and it's going to be 10 years, which is crazy. Damn, that is. I didn't yeah. even
0: think about that. Well, yeah, just like backtracking to ASU, it's weird when I come back because you see how much growth there is here. And obviously, in 2008, when everything took a shit, yeah, you know, Gilbert was hit pretty hard. Vegas was hit mm-hmm. pretty hard. And you see, like things slow down, but you know it's been a while since I've been here. And then, like all these smaller towns, like Surprise and different places, have totally come up. Yeah.
1: And then you're like, dude, just go to ASU. And then you go there, and
0: it's like, it looks like a fucking completely different place. It's crazy. It's it, madness. Like and they
1: they wanted it to be the most populated university too, and and uh, I mean, I I don't know what they are at right now, but they were over eighty thousand.
0: Yeah, and by, and they, and they're doing the online stuff because of the success of, mm-hmm. uh, uh, be a Phoenix University yeah. of Phoenix online, right? So they've got a ton of online programs. My buddy John Baker, who will be a guest on the show, he played for the Chicago Cubs. He did, he finished. He got another degree from ASU just now. Really? Yeah. Meh. It's great. All online, out in California, and then he just moved to Gilbert. But it's nuts, like how yeah, like these these are giant giant corporations, these exactly. universities, you know.
1: And I like Phoenix. You know, it's hot right now, and you, in a couple of months into the summer, you're like, why do I live here? You know, and I miss those seasons here and there. But in September on. It, it's beautiful, and I love when I came down to ASU as March, and I, I, I was around the wrestling team, and and if you know wrestlers, we're all kind of little nuts somewhere, somewhere in the head, and and uh, I got around that group of people, guys like Eric Larkin, Aaron Simpson, and I just had a blast, and I just felt like I fit right in, and we were playing, playing soccer with the girls' soccer team. I was, was this eighteen-year-old recruit, you know, and going to the ASU parties and stuff, and and um, I actually they forgot to pick me up. So I got to stay an extra day, which is a big no-no in, in college athletics. You can get in big-time trouble. And the Oregon, Oregon coaches were at my house, and my mom had to say I was stuck in Vegas. <laughs> I was at ASU partying still, so, but it, you know, and, and uh, I decided right then and there. I said I'm coming to ASU. Oregon was like, "All right, we'll give you a full ride, whatever you want." I was like, "I can't." I'm like, "I, I love if you it." You do there. over a full ride. <laughs> yeah. yeah if you give no. be more than a full ride. But still, I, I was coming down here. Yeah. You know, people always said, man, if you go down there, it's going to be so many distractions. Your wrestling career is going to suffer. Um, yeah, This is coming from, like, a, the Northern Iowa coach, too. Come yeah. up to Northern Iowa. Yeah, come so, out in the middle yeah. of fucking nowhere. But I'll tell you what. <laughs> what I, all you I mean, I buckled wrestling. down. I know how to do that. I know how to be uh, dedicated and, and, and shut things down when I need to. And, and from October to March, I was – 100% focused on wrestling. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even drink a beer, and I was cutting weight the whole time, you know. And so I, I feel like that's helped me in my MMA career for sure. But, um, yeah, I just had a great time here. Uh, I was two-time All-American here, three-time Pac-10 champ, and and uh, yeah, I just, I just love the feel of the vibe. And so after college, you know, Reno's a little smaller town. I like the outdoors up there, and I like the weather. But um, Phoenix became home. You know, Tempe, Chandler yeah. area.
0: Yeah, it's incredible out here. I definitely feel, like, drawn to the desert. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's a special spot. Oh, yeah. For sure. So talk about the mentality. I mean, a lot of guys, it's, I think it's an easier transition because people don't necessarily consider wrestling a martial art mm-hmm. in the traditional sense, but it's damn sure a combat sport for sure is a martial art. And it's, yeah. like a, it's one of the most necessary prerequisites to be at the highest level fighting, you know, in Bellator and the UFC yeah. and, and these top-level guys in mixed martial arts. Where was the mentality, though, of, like, what what was your decision-making process on, like, I want to fight when I get done? Yeah. Well, uh,
1: I'll get get to that, too. But just, like, I try to look back to even from now. My mentality is so different about MMA in general and going into fights. So sometimes I try to – I sit there and try to think back to what I was thinking my first couple fights, my first fight in the UFC. And I was just so different back then mentally – um, but getting into fighting, I mean, we had guys like Cain Velasquez, we had C.B. Dalloway, uh that I trained with day in and day out. Aaron Simpson was their coach. All in the UFC, all did well. Um, and then we had John Moraga, we had Clifford Starks, and uh, list goes on. That was in the UFC. Just off that one team, um, you know. And so we were battling day in. And I was, to be honest, I was, I was, I wrestled so much as a kid and in getting into college, like it was even hard for me to come in on the summer. To even get better in the summer because I was so burnt out. But you know, I dedicated myself to being a wrestler at ASU, and I was gonna get it done. My junior year, I did an all American, and I remember CV Dolla and I were like sitting at the pool. It was uh, before Pac-10s, and we we're like, man, all our friends were going to Mexico for spring break and stuff, and we were just so burnt out. And uh, went and we won. Uh, you know, I won uh, Pac-10s then, but I was uh, then I went to the to the uh, nationals that I didn't all-american and I, all i could think about i was like i don't want to be here and it was crazy and i kept i couldn't get out of my head cb so the same thing and then i kind of was like all right we got to turn this around aaron simpson kind of came up to me and was like listen you need to go in there and beat these people by one point or or whatever you need to do to win you got to do that and uh because he because i started getting a mode where i need to be up by five points or whatnot and so i ended up doing that doing well my senior year but still was kind of burned out. And I knew I didn't want to wrestle. And after it, you know, Kane wanted to fight immediately. Yeah. You know, you and to, then and, like yeah, and we went down because and Dana White ended up being there. But we went down to this fight in Mexico a couple of weeks after nationals. He had no MMA training. And he knew how to wrestle and he would murder this guy anyway. But uh and then the guy pulled out and Dana White was there and stuff. We met him and uh we were out there, me and C V out there cornering him, his first fight, you know. But uh, you know, for me and I still didn't want to fight then. We would uh my our buddy Jesse Forbes was on the ultimate was fighting Matt Hamill. He wanted some pure wrestlers to train with. So CB and I started training with him, um, kind of learning from him a little bit, just more for fun. And we do a little jujitsu to cut weight when we were, um, on these wrestling trips. And, uh, I, I started to see that I could be good, like going with Jesse Forbes and, and beating him in positions and stuff like same with CB, just knowing the little knowledge we had of MMA, mm-hmm. but we were good wrestlers. Um, then, um, and he kind of like, you guys need to get into the, uh, into the gym. And so graduated college. I was like, I don't want to go to the gym unless I want to do it. I don't want anybody telling me you got to be here. You got to do this. You got to run. So I took a couple months off. I got a sales job and I was like, yeah, I'm excited about this next chapter. Just kind of getting my feet wet and in, in uh, a job basically. Cause I've been a uh, athlete my whole life and kind of seeing where I wanted to go. And I realized real quick, I was like, I do not want to do this nine to five deal. You know, and and it's, uh, I just felt trapped, kind of. And so I kept, because I, I had to, I kept working. Um, but I started going into the MMA gym, like, oh, I'm just going to do it to keep in shape. But I knew eventually, in the back of my head, I was like, I have to do a fight. So I end up, uh, CB goes out there and gets a fight and is fighting. And we're doing well in the gym, and I realized I could be good. And then uh, they asked me, if you, do you want to fight? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So monster started go up to this, this uh you know, Arizona, we have a bunch of Indian reservations. Go up. This guy was probably 20 pounds less than me. Wore a rash guard in the fight. Had a big, long ponytail. I was nervous <laughs> as shit. And we were watching him warm up. And he's going all crazy, flipping his head around. He has this long ponytail that whipped him in the eye. And then he went down from his, get his eye whipped with a ponytail on the ground. And it made me feel better. I was like, I'm going to knock this dude out. I'm going to stand <laughs> with him. And he came out. And uh, he threw one punch at me. And I instinctively took him down. And, and uh, at that point... I realized like I've been training with monsters in college then I went right into MMA gym where I was fine uh I was training with UFC guys and Steve Steinbeis, who was a K1 kickboxer that I never I was already always at that high level that when I dipped down to the to the you know 0 and 0 0 and 1 1 and 0 kind of fights that you need to get started we were just wrecking these people yeah. just off wrestling alone and I and I just kind of learned from that and and wrestling was the the biggest base you know and and bringing that mentality it's like i'm i always know i can go in there and take this dude down if all else fails and i know how to anybody knows how to punch people when they're on the ground you know it's harder said than done but you can get it done and so really i mean even on the ultimate fighter like i i mean through my throughout my career a lot of times on stand-up i i would go out there and not know what the hell i was doing i knew i had a strong right hand i would just throw an overhand right i didn't know a jab nothing Because you know, yeah, our coaches taught us you know the combos and all that, but I never had, I didn't know any better. I always had like pad holders that would just do it almost like a cardio deal, like one two, one two three, one two three. But I wasn't learning anything. So burn your arms out, yeah. Technique, right? So I started learning, like, oh, this is how you set people up and all that, and it got a lot easier from there. But it's just bringing in that wrestling mentality where it's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get a desired result. I know what kind of work I need to put in. And I'm never going to walk into there and be an unprepared. And, uh, you know, I did that one time. I ended up getting the win because um, we were moving gyms. It was my first Noguera fight. Um, but for me, as long as I'm prepared and, and I can look back and say, I'm good. All else fails, I'm good. And I know how to scrap and fight and whatever. That's that's the mentality I need to bring into every fight. If you don't, then that's when you start getting tired. Then you dig back. If you're not mentally strong, you said, well, I didn't do this. Well, I don't. I shouldn't even be in here, and then you start folding up, and it's done, you know, so.
0: Yeah, dominoes, just one goes down. One goes down, and 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 people have
1: no idea until they're they're that tired, and people, a new person is trying to fuck you up. They're not trying to spar you, like your friends, whatever. They're trying to, they're freaked out as much as you are, and they're trying to get out of there and get their paycheck and win that fight, too, you know, so that's a, people don't realize, like, that aspect of when you get tired, and then Going in there, and you visualize all the visualization that you can do and whatnot. But when you're in there and you're looking at the person, and they're looking at you, and you can see in their eyes that they want to take you out, and it's not—it's not practice. You know, you can spar all you want, but it's—it's different. And so that gives you a level of not anxiety, but it's new. And so you know, they always say you're like 60% of yourself that you are in practice. You know, and. And uh, that's where everything kind of goes out the window. And so over time, you get better and better where you can just kind of let that go. And you just it's almost like you're a robot out there. And uh, that's where I kind of am now. But at the beginning of my career, I would black out. I had no idea what went on in any of the fights. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's easy to not remember when you're kind of just on autopilot and or you're so fucking nervous that you, don't, you, you really can't. You're not in the moment. You're not 100% present because you yeah. you're living in fear as opposed to like I think Vanderlei said it. He's like, when he's talking about his game plan, he goes, "I don't give a fuck what he does." Yeah. Like, he was like, "I don't give a fuck what he's good at." Like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna do what I'm good at. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a big point. People missing that stuff. But going back to like the decision to fight, like you, just because of wrestling for for so long, and then that fear of being stuck in a nine to five, you were well, like, "Let's I mean, fucking so, try this so out." So for
1: me, for me, it was, uh, I was in that nine to five, and I and I had to, and I I didn't like it you know, I like being around people and I like meeting new people. I like that aspect of it, but I, it was just so, especially those entry-level sales jobs, it was just so corny for me. I realized like, I am stuck here from Monday to Friday from, you know, I had to be there at 730, from 730 to 5 or 530, you know, and and then I had to drive back in traffic because it was in Phoenix, you know, and so I realized real quick, that's not what I want to do. And so when it came time, I had a small sponsor that would pay me monthly. It was enough to pay, Pay your rent and eat basically, and um, and obviously you'd fight, but you're fighting then you're fighting for a hundred bucks or yeah. you know. Um, and so for me, I was just I was just kind of I'm like, where do we want to go here? I was like, I'm like, I was like, I know I don't want to do ninety five 9 to 5. Do I want to get on the fire department or something? I, I went and did my EMT class while I was doing all this stuff too. And then um, I just kind of told myself, I was like, now's the time to do it if you want to do it. You don't want, I don't want to look back and say. And be one of those guys at the bar and be like, oh, I would have be, been so good at that. I wish, you know, and think, I yeah. wish I would have done it. I could have done it. I could have been great. Like, try now and see what happens. If you fail, at least you can look back and say, hey, I tried it and didn't work out, whatever. But don't have that doubt later on that you should have done something. And so I just started, uh, yeah, training. And then it just kind of snowballed. And then when you look back now, I, I don't really take too much time to, like, reflect on it. You know, Um Maybe it's later on in life, whatnot. But then you look back. Sometimes you're like, "Wow, I came a lot of long ways, and I fought the best of the best." It's kind of a surreal and cool experience too. I look back and like, fought Rampage in Japan. I fought, you know, all these guys. You know, from my losses like Machida to huge wins to my first big fight with like Jardine down in Australia in the morning. You know, so, uh you know, it was just one of those decisions where, I, you know, I was like, "I'm gonna give it my all." And anything I do, I put my all into it. So. Um, that I quit my job, got that sponsor and just kind of rolled with the MMA and then got on the ultimate fighter and, um, then thought, thought you're, Oh, you're top of the world. And then realize that really nobody pays attention to the ultimate fighter. And then you're thrown back <laughs> into, the, <laughs> into the deep of the yeah. deep, uh, UFC, you know, yeah. weight classes. And so, um, yeah, it was just funny. And then, you know, I was on that ultimate fighter contract and, and, uh, you know, it's it's known you're not making a huge amount of money. Like I was doing what I loved, and I I was getting good sponsors and whatnot. And then it came time to um, they asked me to fight Rampage, and it was like I got to get out of this contract. I was like you got to renegotiate my contract. So I, I finally did uh, did that then. You know, and then you know when I left the UFC, I was 20 fights in.
0: Damn, yeah, that's a yeah.
1: A lot of guys like our season are tough, and we can
0: talk about that our season of tough had quite a few guys that remained. And yeah. if you look at I mean we are on ultimate fighter season eight. It had been around for a while. I think they're in the 20 somethings now. Yeah. And they have like the contender series, which is like a, a spinoff of that, mm-hmm. but it's basically the same show with less of the drama and, and whatnot, yeah. you know, less of the TV reality show type stuff. And, um, I remember like fighting and just like the, the goal is to fight in the UFC. The goal is to be, yeah. like, that's when I'm at the top, you know, when you're working towards that. And, um, I get, you know when I when we were going out there putting us up at the Palace Station that kind of shit like I knew you from ASU we weren't yeah. we weren't super close because you were a wrestler and I was yeah. a football player but we knew each other and we had you know probably been drunk a couple times at the bars but uh, I remember doing dinner with you like trying to game plan on how we could make it onto the same team mm-hmm. the night before they fucking made us fight each yeah, other yeah that was ridiculous was yeah. like we looked at each other like what the fuck and thankfully for me because I lost that fight against you uh, thankfully. They were like, hey man, Kingsbury's seven one, Bader's seven and you got guys fighting each other that have no fights versus one fight. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. And, and Mir, you know, for all the the the, uh, the drama we had on that show, like he was really cool, man. He went to bat for me and, and Oh, I didn't I on. didn't even know that. Yeah, he totally did. He went to Joe Silva and he was like, This is bullshit, man. Both these guys should be on. Mm-hmm. O'Gara said the same thing and then, you know, when a guy got hurt, they brought me back in. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, my whole I career think it was Jimmo, from that. Jimmo got hurt. And then yeah. Yeah. yeah, Jimmo was a good dude. But um, yeah. We make it on the show. We do wind up on the same team. We spent six weeks together in yeah. the house and it was like a total shit show. And figure out we're both weirdos and then. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, you're weird too. <laughs> Fucking cool. Yeah, this yeah. is good. This is real good. That was fun. I mean, I look back at a, that experience and, and it was at a perfect time in my life. And I think in yours too, you know, where. 100%. We had different guys like Christoph Sasinski was on there and he had he uh, at least one kid. I know that. Maybe two kids and he was married and. And that was six weeks away from his family, no contact. For us, we were fresh out of college, and I, I was used to grinding in that wrestling grind, where I would put my head down in October and not stop till March, you know. And so for me, I knew in there, I was like, I'm gonna go win this thing, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna keep going and keep my head down and keep working. These other guys, I start hearing them talking about, like, man, I just want to go home and see my family and all yeah, that. Some guys
0: already own gyms, it's yeah. like jujitsu coaches and shit like that. And yeah, like, I don't know how my gym's doing. I mm-hmm. haven't spoken
1: to my wife. Yeah, it's a totally different ball game. Yeah, so but I look back at that, that experience, and it, although it was tough, and we were stuck in the house, and it was it was a blast for me. Hell yeah, I had a great time. I was bouncing five nights a week and working until two
0: thirty or three a.m. And then when you're there. Like, you don't get paid to be there, but you, everything's paid for. You, so you get 500 a bucks a week. Yeah, for them. Yeah. You get 500 bucks a week. Like, that's, that's what you're making yeah. back home. and uh, But all the food's covered, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you write on the list. Hey, I need new underwear. I need, uh, I need you know, I want sashimi-grade tuna tonight. Well, They'll that, pick it up for yeah, you. Yeah, well, that
1: was at the beginning. Then, then they came back and said, hey, guys, you need to calm down with <laughs> yeah. that. No, no grass-fed flaming yeah, yeah, anymore. Kyle's a good foodie, and, and he'd order, yes, yeah, sushi-grade ahi tuna from Whole Foods. And they brought it for a couple times, and then— I think he started upping the ante, and they're like, "Guys, come on!" They're like,
0: no lobster, no, no. fucking crab. <laughs>
1: we're like, "Dude, let's make a fucking you big ass meal." Seven hundred dollars dinners every let's, night. Let's ball it out. But they, if you wanted alcohol within the hour, they'd deliver that right into the uh, yeah. Because they knew that the stirred up. That yeah. would definitely stir it up, especially with guys like Junie and well, then you have a, Kaplan yeah. and everyone on the on the show. You have a guy like Junie who he tried to fight me. He threw wine right in my face wine wine glass glass. not just wine a wine glass at kyle and i don't i don't think that was shown was it i don't know i've I've covered it it broke on my forearm thankfully there's no cut or anything yeah that'd have been a shitty way to have to leave you know it's crazy he uh i got a facebook message from him probably i mean years ago but he was apologizing and all that i thought that was kind of pretty cool of him yeah then it kind of was like oh shit something is he doing this and something's going to happen to him you know or he's going to do something to himself or something but he's still out there you know he, he was uh he was good ratings on that but at that time it was kind of uh, everybody was kind of fed up with him
0: yeah it's well I mean it's six weeks and you're day after day living with 16 guys in a house alcohol's flowing and not everyone was drinking I didn't drink until I lost to Kristoff but it was just like this Fuck, dude. This is day in, day out. And I still appreciated it because of the fact that I was not working and this idea that this is what it feels like to be a professional athlete. Yeah. This is what it feels like to train full time, to eat, to sleep, and to breathe
1: MMA and to not worry about anything else. Well, that's what we did. I mean, you woke up and you had your two training sessions, with two meaning like you maybe do a strength and conditioning and roll or something, then come back at night and spar, do whatever. And it was all based and trusted with your coaches, which was uh, Noguera. And Noguera was an amazing, amazing coach and guy. But, yeah, I mean, it was – I think it's – you got a short amount of – or a lot amount of fights in a short amount of time. And you got to train. We trained with Anderson Silva, Machida, Yeah, he brought in some of the fucking legends of the sport. So I think that was a big catapult. Um, But, yeah, people don't realize, like – no, we had no TV. We had no magazines. No radio. No radio. Unless the guys were unless the guys in the yeah. van wanted we, to hook us we up. We made a chessboard. Yeah, <laughs> we would ask the guys, the camera crew, what was going on in the uh, in the world, basically, and they'd kind of like yeah, tell us. Who's winning here. the NBA finals? Yeah, that exactly. kind of shit. And they'd play songs for us a little bit, like the hot songs. We're like, "What's this song?" And they're like, "Oh, it's the new song going on right now." And then um, it's crazy because I hear some of those songs. Uh, and, and it kind of brings me back to that. Yeah, totally. That kind of that it, whatever was that song by uh, M.I.A.? Yeah, the chick, the bang bang. Yeah, ch- yeah, yeah, yeah. that one for sure. And then uh, that yeah. just came out. But I, we had, you know, obviously we got closer. But you know, I got closer with other people too. And hell yeah, Tom Lawler Tom became Lawler. a good friend of both ours. Yeah, and he, I remember a, uh, a text or a tweet, and he's like. I'm the tough eight champ by default. The last one left in the UFC when I left to go to Bellator, that <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So it, it was, it was a good time, you know, and, and that's where you, I think really form those bonds. You know, that's where you, you hear people, you know, I, I got a bunch of buddies that are, you know, on the seal teams and stuff like that. And, and they kind of have those same bonds that, like mixed martial artists do that go in there and scrap with each other every day. You know, you form, form that camaraderie and yeah, bonds you've been with people you, together yeah. day in, day out. Right. Like, uh, you know, you fought each other, you train together, you know, and then that's what people don't, normal people don't get. They're like, how can you guys They'll watch sparring? And be like, how can you guys do that to each other? And then afterwards, give each other high fives and be cool and go get coffee, you know? And so, uh, I think that formed a, a lot of good bonds and, uh, it was a great experience. And then, uh, just kind of like I said, I ended up winning it and I felt like, Yeah, I'm at the pinnacle. And then looking back now, just so naive and you know, didn't didn't know shit really, you know. And
0: so you fight in the UFC, you get some big fights against big names, uh, you know, and then of course, you know, I've I've been a little bit more outspoken about, you know, the, the treatment of fighters and things like that, but you gotta fight a young John Jones on the way up. Nobody else has taken that yeah. fight.
1: Well, for me, you know, I I was having a good time. You know, I wasn't getting paid much, but I was always looking like I'm going to get taken care of, you know, this and that. And I, I fought – Keith Jardine was like – they called me and they're like, you're going to fight Keith Jardine in Australia. I'm like, all right. And I was, you you know how if you get that name and you get those butterflies and that thing going. And uh, especially at that point in my career, and they're like, all right, Keith Jardine. I'm like, this guy just beat Chuck Liddell like two fights ago. I'm fighting in Australia, whatever. I haven't fought a guy at that level previous to that, you know, at least name recognition and stuff. So I didn't know if I was even on that level. I I thought I was. So I threw that was the only time I threw up before a fight. It was 11 in the morning in Australia. We were warming up and stuff. And I remember Rampage, he was in there with Bisbee because Bisbee fought Vandalay, cornering him, and he was in our locker room. He just kept watching me with whatever I was doing. And I remember thinking, like, We'll fight this dude one day, you know, <laughs> and that's that's when he was a big dog. And then, uh, but anyway, I go out there and, and keep churning through his first combo at me, and I was like, I do belong here. I'm good, you know. And so I went up and knocked him out in the third, and that was kind of like, all right, I'm, I belong here and whatnot, and I'm good. And so yeah, I keep going, and then uh, you know, John Jones, um, I took every single fight they offered me, and John Jones was up and comer, and they had a hard time. Finding fights for him and yeah he's undefeated yeah. everyone's talking around he, about him in the yeah. locker rooms and shit exactly you know and i was on my honeymoon i was fat and i was drinking i was and they were pushing me to like take this fight like four weeks from there i was like and i, I stood my ground and i said no i'll fight him but i can't do it four weeks from now i'm like so anyway i ended up fighting him and uh ran into john jones you know and i had i even at that point i had no clue really what i was doing like on my feet you know and then no game plan i had no He's he's long he's lanky he like, you know we we just trained and we went live that's it yeah. I had no game plan to get inside his reach nothing you know and so um you know and then he goes wins the title and stuff like that but um uh, I, I just did everything they they ever asked I never turned down fights I fought you know everybody and anybody they ever offered us you know and I always thought thought there was gonna because you heard guys like always say like yeah you know Rashad got a five hundred thousand dollar locker room bonus or this and that you know and I was always waiting for that time where, like oh even a freaking $50,000 check or in the locker room or something, so, something like yeah. okay you know like I see what's going on here I'm getting to this level and now now I'm really gonna push that just never happened we used to get locker room bonuses and and yeah some were good like but I get knocked out by Machita and I didn't get my win bonus you know and I got 30 grand for getting knocked out you know and a bonus usually it was like five then those started drying up and then it was always like, yeah, do this for us, do this for us. We'll get you back. We'll get you back. And never really, it was always a, a carrot right there, That dangled, yeah. dangled, and then something happened, or if you had a key loss, and it was pulled, pulled back, and then you know, it's and just kind of
0: they did that towards the end of your career in the UFC, right? As yeah, far as like,
1: cause you were winning, you so were. I was fucking on a f- rising five-fight win streak, and I was supposed to fight Cormier before, and we had a good storyline, and um, you know, the whole deal, and and. uh they pulled that fight and, and I talked to Dana. I was like, Hey, can I, you know, you know I get it, whatever. Uh, Cause I asked for the fight with uh, Anthony Johnson and he's like, we're going to give it to Cormier. I was like, well, you know, what's going to go on with me? Like, can I get paid or whatever? And I, I didn't get paid and I was fine. Like they they pulled him up to fight him and our fight got canceled and I, I didn't get paid or anything like that. Um, and then I forgot the whole logistics of it, but, I think John Jones was supposed to fight. Maybe it was John Jones was supposed to fight Cormier, and he got in trouble or something. And it was open, and so I was I was on a five fight, four fight win streak, or uh, I, five. Think I think yeah, it was four. four at that time. Yeah. And so I call and talk to Dana. I'm like, hey, I want to shot. You know, Cormier, and you know, we have our thing. We don't like each other, this and that. Um, you know, people wanted to see it. And then he's like, no, I think I'm going to give it to uh, Alexander Gustafson. And I. Was taken back a little bit. and I was like, I'm trying to think, like, what did, did he win his last fight? I was like, he got knocked out his last fight. You're gonna give it off a knockout loss, and he's like, yeah, you know, we just we uh, owe it to him and, and whatnot. And it's like, you yeah, owe oh, it to him. And I try to, you know, make my case more, and it just it was just kind of shut it You're down, like right? Talking to a wall at that exactly. Point. And he's like, go out and win your. I was like, who are you thinking for me then? He goes, Rashad in October. Go out and win that fight. Nobody can deny you a title shot. You know, and they go out there and beat Rashad, and then same deal, you know. So I think at that point, when they gave that to Alexander Gustin, I was like, if I'm not getting that title shot now, I'm not going to get one. Yeah. And I, I literally have to beat one, two, three, four, five, six. And about that time, I beat pretty much f- I, the four guys behind me in the top ten, you know. Yeah. And and, uh, and so for me, it was like, that's one of the point where it kind of, my mind switched. And I was like, all right, you know, I see what's going on here, so. Um, I fought Rashad, um, and I lost to Anthony Johnson, just a terrible fight. I I was going to go in there and try to kind of do a Chelsea Sonnen on him, just get, go in there, take him down and just make him work from the beginning. And, uh, I got on my back and caught me a few punches and thought it was fine, but you know, the fight just sucked, you know? And, and for me at that moment, I'm like, I got to change the way I approach this. I was like no more overthinking it, no more making it bigger than what it is. Every time I've been in a fight, I've walked out, even if I got knocked out or, or as bad, or I've always walked out and, and thought to myself, I want to get back in there, you know, either to avenge a loss or, or I, I want a fight. And I was like, man, I made it bigger than I, than I, it was, you know, and every time I get back to my locker room or my hotel room afterwards, I'm like, I'm good. You know, like we could yeah. punch each other in the face. I'm still done. alive. So what? I'm still alive. I feel good. And, um, so that at that point, I was like, I'm going to take these fights. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to remember this moment, how I felt in the locker room after Anthony Johnson, and how disappointed I was in myself, and and um, the feeling I felt, everybody else was feeling, like my team, like I kind of let them down, and you know, I le- and you know, and, and they were fine, but um, I just promised myself I would remember that moment in my next fights, and I would have fun throughout fight week, and so I went to Germany, my next fight. And I just kept everything light. We were laughing in the locker room at fight day. I'd find myself kind of getting quiet, just overthinking stuff, and I'd just snap out of it and be like, "Nope, nope. Remember that. Remember that uh, that feeling." And so I went in there, felt loose with uh, with um, what's his what's his name? Was it OSP? In oh, uh, Latifi. Latifi. Ilya Latifi. Yeah, Latifi, and he was a. Brick shithouse, and he's so strong. High-level wrestler, yoked as fuck. I shot in on him, and it was, like, hitting a brick wall. And so I had to – and we just saw that he was ducking his head a lot. And so went in, you know, threw some throwaway punches, and was going to throw a high kick, but kind of saw that he was ducking, so I kind of turned into a knee. Knocked him out, totally out, you know. And then, uh, you know, boosted confidence felt good. And I went into the Noguera fight, the best I've ever felt going into a fight. Just Confident. And you just had to go down to Brazil for that one I had night. to go down to Brazil, the main event, you know, and uh, um, it's just one of those things where I, I stopped making making fighting and fights bigger than what they were. I was like, I'm just going to go in there, have fun, That's Whatever. a big corner to turn. It's huge. You know? a lot of so, people. And then, so that was, so before my Latifi fight, though, I was, uh, my manager and I talked about, like, we're going uh, to see what else is out there. We're going to become a free agent. Just the way that that whole thing went down with the title shot and all that. And it, you know, by the time I, f- my Noguera fight was my 20th fight in the UFC. And it was more of that like, that carrot, care And then we kind of find ourselves, he he would kind of be, you know, devil's advocate and be like, well, what if they offer us this amount of money? And I'd be like, well, you know, the guy, you know, I want to, if I want to stay in the UFC, and I, I'd find myself getting back into that same routine that I did every single time, you know, like, well, maybe, and then maybe they'll give me this, and, or maybe if we get a title shot right off the bat. You know, but then what happens if somebody gets hurt? And then, you know, so for me, it was like one of those things where we're going to see what, what's out there, i.e. we're going to see what Bellator is going to offer us. Mm-hmm. And he has a bunch of guys in Bellator. Um, so I won that Latifi fight, and uh, I was on vacation with my wife for her birthday, and we were uh, spearfishing, and I get a call I was like, uh, Noguera, November," and it was seven weeks, you know. And I'd I'd been having fun, drinking, eating, whatever. Because right after a fight, seven weeks, Gustafson pulled out. You want this fight? Five rounds. And I was kind of thinking about it. Last fight on my contract, and I and I said, "All right, yes, let's do it." And if you know anything about like the UFC, if you fight your contract out at this p- time, they did not know that I was going to fight it out because I was with them for so long. They just assumed. And then, uh, and so, you know, he goes back, back and tells him yes. And and Joseph goes, well, all right, Dave, we need. I'll send a new contract over. We need need to sign a new yeah. Yes, they fight, fucking fight that's deal. what they make you do. They and, make you resign and before uh, get the fight. Dave goes, oh no, we're we're not uh, resigning. And he was pissed and said we were trying to trick him and whatnot and. And uh, we're, I was just kind of laughing. I was like, "I'm trying to trick them." I'm like, "Come on!" I was like, "There is no free no, agency. Yeah. It's not a free market." And so they couldn't go back after they offered me that, and we said yes. And they couldn't go back and, and say uh, pull the fight and right? pull the fight because that would just look like a straight extortion, you know. So um, was able to fight, and and I think there's a comment of like, "I wouldn't have gave him a little nog if I knew he was going to fight his contract out," you know. and so it actually worked out very well for me because i got those two fights done so if i had two fights left on my contract right and you know this this, that could be a year plus yeah at least you know at least and so i got to do that in two months and so then after that i started talking and, and we were kind of gauging where we're at you know um and right after um you know and after the period ended we started negotiating with bellator and and uh um we had interest from ufc you know and they were they're like where do we need to be here and there with the uh, the new matchmaker um you know and Dana came out and said oh no he should go to Bellator but there was still we were still negotiating with them you know um but the amount of money and the terms that we got from Bellator and for me it wasn't just about oh what am i going to make per purse you know it was like i want a flat rate i want to um, be guaranteed a certain amount of fights in a year and if i don't hit that you have to pay me still um i want bonuses i want a signing bonus i want tv bonuses i want um and gate bonuses, stuff like that. Uh, uh, what's your plan for me? What's Bellator's plan in the future? I loved what, the, what Scott and Richshaw had to say, um, and I, I was kind of before, definitely before my Nogueira fight, um, but even before my Latifi fight, I kind of was going in there knowing that I only had a few fights left in the UFC, and it was kind of surreal being down in Brazil. I was trying to soak it all up and mm-hmm. and thinking like, this is my this is my 20th fight in the UFC. 95% sure that's going to be my last fight in the UFC. And, and you know, I, I had a great time fighting in the UFC. You know, I got to go on. Austral- I got to go to Australia a bunch of times, uh, UK as a guest fighter. I fought everywhere around the world. A lot of my memories are tied to those fights, bringing family and friends along staying yeah. after, you know. And so for me, it was a bittersweet thing. Like I, I knew UFC wasn't the same as it was before, you know, with the people. I, I didn't even know anybody anymore and, uh, you know, just the logistics of it. And then, uh, but at the same time, I was like, this is kind of sad, you know. This is my last fight week with the UFC, you know. And I don't know—I didn't know how Bellator was, or I'd never been to a Bellator fight. Yeah, Venturing into un- uncharted territory. But I knew it was better for me, better for the family, better, you know, just in general, being respected. And so um, I signed a deal. We, we come to terms. I signed the deal. The next day, they come out and we're, say they're having a fight in Madison Square Garden on pay-per-view, and it's going to be big. And it kind of just reassured everything that I was what I did was the right move and um ended up getting on that card and you know going through that fight week it was just the same but just more respect and it just felt good, a good vibe, you know, and, and uh just felt like it was where I needed to be and, and uh you know there was a respect and respect level there between between uh, us and the you know the management. The powers the that be. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's just that was my biggest thing. And then, you know, went out there and uh never had stepped foot in a Bellator cage before except 30 seconds before my fight, you know, and, but I got in there and I felt good and everything was relaxed. We were laughing in the back, making jokes and stuff. And I was just like, it's my time right now. It's like, this, this is one of my career goals, you know? And, uh, you know, I would love to go out there and knock him out and do it in devastating fashion. Um, but just grind it out. because it's a tough guy. And, and, uh, uh, getting that belt around my waist wasn't like, oh, I'm the champion or anything like that. It was just like a, a good memento to, to have and look at throughout my life and say, all right, I, it was more of the work I put in, the sacrifices my family, my wife made, my parents made, driving me to California every weekend to wrestle, you know, and, uh, um, and everybody sharing that together. I had 25, 30 people there in New York and Madison Square Garden, and that, that's my biggest accomplishment. It's not because I won the belt. It's because we all did, as friends, family. You know, my wife takes a huge burden. I have three young kids, you know, under five, a uh, brunt of the work when I'm in camp. You know, and and uh, uh, my parents have been super supportive, and they come to every fight. They've drove me to every athletic event I ever had. So it was it was more for them, you know. And and uh, like when I at the hotel, like I, I was gonna leave my belt in the uh, room, and she's like, "You should bring it down. People want to see it. Whatever." You know, I just. And it's everybody else, and they're taking pictures. And that, I felt like that was – that's what um, you know, I was kind of fighting for. And and I love being in the position to take – to have these fights, but to bring everybody together to experience that. I, yeah. It's not like, oh, come to watch me fight. It's like, let's all get – yeah, well, I have a fight, whatever. But it's an excuse for everybody to see my parents all the time, to see friends and family, to come together. And, uh, um, you know, and, and I'm glad I'm just – that glue or whatever that can get those people together and and experience that and have fun, you know? So for, for me, that's what it's all about. And, and, you know, I had a goal of being the champion. I still am super competitive. Anything I do, I have that drive. Um, But I did experience that. I I got that belt and I want to keep it, you know, and and, um, you know, financially it makes sense to keep the belt. Um, But for me, it's, it's kind of turned the corner now where I'm like, all right, let's have some fun with this now. You know, I, I, I captured that that goal that I wanted to get, you know? And, and so for me, it's just kind of, all right, what's next now? I want to remain the champion, but I want to, I want to, uh, up that ante with, you know, I want to go out there and have a fight where I'd come out and just be like, man, that's what it's about right there. You know? And I I feel like I've never shown my true potential yet.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. But it seems like, uh, you've got really, you know, you brought in some new coaches, you've kind of changed your training atmosphere. Yeah. We can talk a bit about, um, as much as you would like to, about Power MMA.
1: Yeah. That was the gym you guys started together. Yeah. Dive in that for a second. Yeah, you know, so we, I mean, six years ago, we started Power MMA, and we were kind of brought on. My uh, CB Dalloway, myself, Aaron Simpson were kind of brought on as, like, the face and the draw. You know, you guys need to train out of here and do this. Uh, Mike Miller, the basketball player, was a part of it, my manager, a couple other people. So there's a bunch of us. Um, mainly for me, it was just, all right, cool, we have an amazing place to train. And if you've ever been there, if you haven't been there, it was 30,000 square feet, you know, full-size cage, 6,500 square feet of mats, all the weight equipment, all that kind of stuff, you know. But as we kind of grew up and, you know, we're 24-year-old kids then, you know, as we grew up and we're kind of like, you know, realized it's a business, it's not being ran correctly too, but kind of just kind of letting it do its own thing. um, It got to a point where our lease was coming up in a couple months and and, um, we didn't want to stay in that building. It was too big. Our overhead was at least $55,000 a month. Damn. We had a lot of members and we were bringing in at, you know, I look back at PNLs and stuff, um, you know, cause we're doing a new gym now cutting a lot of the fat and everything. But I look back and we were bringing in close to a hundred thousand dollars a month. But at that point, our overhead was 90 something thousand a month, you know, <laughs> and it was insane. It's The building alone, I mean, the, the rent on the building was 26000 a month. And then in, in the summertime, we had $10,000 worth of utilities. And then you have a big, we had a lot of classes. So then you have um, $17,000 a month in payroll, at least, you know. So at the end, we were done. We had some people that wanted to come in. And they're like, no, we want to run this gym. Let us run it. And then uh, we'll take it over, guarantee everything for a new five-year lease. And you guys just keep training, you'll be owners still, whatever. But for me it was like, all right, we'll take it off. You know, we weren't making good money out of there anyway, so take it off my plate. We can still get the training, it's an amazing facility and have the coaches. And so uh and uh I brought in right at the end we brought in Jair Lorenko, um some really top level coaches and, and love Jair, but it, it came to the point where those guys weren't running it. You know, they came in, this is what we do. We take businesses and we turn them around to super successful, all this. And I just watched it just dwindle down, all the memberships and everything um, with them running it. And they want to do this, This oh, we're going to do this crazy marketing and all that. They had a billboard that they are driving around, you know. <laughs> It's just, it just like, like a billboard truck, yeah, billboard truck in Vegas, and that's it. You know, it's oh, like one of those things where it, it was. This will
0: be, this is the missing piece yeah, to drive exactly. people into the gym. <laughs> the billboard <So> I truck, <laughs> <laughs> I saw,
1: And my brother-in-law, you know, that's what he does. You know, he he's a wizard in the digital space and everything, and and he's like, all right, and he's like, I'm out. Then and I, I said, I agree. I was like, well, we'll see how this goes, and and so they were. I was like, well, I guess it's their problem. I put in my input, and not saying that I know everything, but. Um, it came to the point where they were going to sign the new lease and the guy, the landlord was there with papers out and they no showed them and called uh, my manager an hour before and said, yeah, no, I don't think we're going to do it. And so then the landlords got pissed and our lease was up in two months. And they said, well, instead of July, you guys need to be out June 1st. And this was May 25th. And we, I mean, they all, uh, Memorial weekend, it was just us moving that gym, and I was in the middle of training camp for a, a world title fight against the top three guy in the world. You know, and so we literally and the team helped and coaches helped and all that, but, you know, I'm heading it up with my brother-in-law. I'm renting U-Hauls, had two U-Hauls. I had my trailer. I had somebody else's trailer, and we moved a 30,000-square-foot facility in three days, everything from paper towel, you know, holders to the speakers in the gym, two that we put in to 45 you know you saw how much weight equipment was there yeah all that out
0: plates moving stuff around the mats were heavy seven thousand square
1: feet of mats bags everything cage and uh it was three days of sun up to sundown past sundown of moving moving stuff and i'm grateful for everybody who you know the team and everything but and i was smoked for three weeks like smoked and, I, and I, I just kept looking back, like, that was the dumbest thing I ever did. You know, and, and luckily we were able to go to thoroughbred, Eric Larkin's space and all that. And so um, my mind was kind of messed up a little bit, but I said, eh, you know, I've been through worse. Let's just let's get in there. I'm going to feel fine fight week, and I'm going to go win this title. And it is what it is. And so that kind of took a lot out of me. My arms, I remember I brought in Corey Anderson to spar, and I remember I was in such good shape. And halfway into the first round, I was gassed couldn't even breathe <laughs> and coach is like you know you're in shape Like, you can't let this get in your head and i'm like i know but still when you feel it <laughs> you're not feeling what i'm feeling right yeah, now
0: sparring is the greatest test of all yeah fight so
1: that messed me up a little bit but uh, you know i went in and i felt great the week of the fight and went in and, and won it anyway but um you know so it's a good lesson you know it's it's one of those things where now as far as you know i have another business and i'm i'm in the fire every day like you know with the Juby stuff i'm um, I'm, I have an office, I, I go train, I go to my office, um, and I come back and train again and come home and, uh, we deal with stuff daily. And I got to the point where nothing surprises me anymore. You know, so when you're younger, something happened like Jimmy you're like, Oh, it's the end of the world. You know, now like, oh, I have, fuck. I'm getting sued. Not me personally, but we are going through uh, litigations with two different things right now. You know, and it's, we just laugh. We're like, get the Rolodex out and find out what lawyer we need for this issue. You know? So Um, What we're doing now, so uh, uh, I was fortunate enough to find a a great space. It's 9,000 square feet. It's just a big box that we're uh, now moving uh, power into. It's a private gym for now, and we're currently um, buying a piece of land and building up a brand-new – basically, it's about probably 11,000 square feet with some offices up front for my other business and and, uh, my brother-in-law's businesses. And then in the back is going to be a brand-new – Big martial arts gym, we're going to have a little bit of everything in there and do it right. And we have the right people around, you know. And uh, um, so that's a plan right now, you know, and, and looking at that as an investment, too. Um, you know, we're smart with that as far as not getting in over our heads and whatnot. Yeah, so. you had six years to learn yeah, from I mean, experience, exactly. right? Exactly. And so it's just, uh, we, we kind of, at the beginning, we, we tried to run it like a Fortune 50 business. You know, and and the expenses were crazy, you know, when you need to be ran like a little mom and pop place. And so for us, it's just uh, scaling down, but we're not really scaling down because the space, um, there's wasted space in the other building. We had 7,000 square feet of locker rooms. We had a basketball court, all this stuff. So um, just consolidate that and get the overhead down, you know, and then uh, I'm excited about it. And so, um, but in the meantime, we got our team. We're training out of this uh, new facility that's awesome. And then, uh, um, you know, we're looking to actually, um, double down with that and, and bringing some investors on that want to get involved in the pro team, start bringing guys in, because I know now that we have the right coaching staff and the right people around us, for sure.
0: Hell yeah. It sounds like you're in the best best place you've ever been, mentally, physically, and then just how you've designed all the working pieces around you, from your coaches to the facility that you
1: guys are going to have. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been stressful this last, this uh, from May on, you know, because we've been kind of, uh, you know, I went through camp uh you know for a world tri- title fight you know training out of wrestling room where we used to have training in a cage every day and doing this and having everything on one roof and we're just but we made do you know it's just what you just make do with what you have and so um even now you know and, and for me um no, i want to make sure everybody around me is taken care of and, and in a place to succeed also so just kind of had to take the brunt of that and the brunt of the team um you know, for now until we're getting into this new space and all that, but um, I I enjoy having difficult things thrown at me now and and uh, working through them. You know, just take it one step at a time. If something looks like it, you're like, man, how are we going to get through this? What are we going to do? You just start walking, you know, and then yeah. uh, and then that that's the thing. And I've learned I've learned some good lessons and in, in, uh, even getting in the the Juby deal. You know, it's like a nootropic shop in five thousand stores, um, but getting into that business, not knowing it at all, and going through. A good successful year and uh and then kind of seeing what we know now and be like all right this is what we need to do to change and that's how you learn is you make mistakes and you 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 adapt and you you know and you uh go a new route you pivot you do whatever you need to do um, and, and for me i've learned to be i was all, i'm always nice guy and like oh sure and give people the benefit of the doubt and try to make everybody else happy and i realized especially in business, that you you can't, you know. And that's what kind of sucks about it, Um, you know, but uh, um, that's the kind of part I'm trying to get better at is just being more direct and everybody's looking out for themselves. And I try to look out for myself and everybody else at the same time, which I need to start looking out for myself and the people around me and worry about our business, what's good for us. And, you know, so that's the biggest kind of thing I've learned Oh, yeah. That's big.
0: There's no growth without stress. Yeah. You're not going to get stronger that's just perfect. lifting yeah. the weight bar, right? You got to add some weight. You got to exactly. get sore. You, that's the only way you get stronger, right? Exactly. Same thing for the mind. Well, let's dive into Juby because I fucking love it. I remember trying it a while back. It's As far as I know, the only nootropic RTD, that you know, ready to drink in a shot, mm-hmm. like uh, like a five-hour energy that has – you know what you would you i guess in the drug game you would call an upper and a downer so yeah. there's there's things that help improve focus in it and then at the same time there's a very relaxing calming element yep you talk about some of the ingredients and what yeah, you guys designed uh, about it
1: all yeah for sure so we wanted to do so number so off the bat a buddy of mine came up to me and uh he he was talking he's like let's do like let's do something um you know let's i'm i'm seeing all these like kratom shots out there and it was at the very beginning of Kratom, and Kratom is a leaf from Southeast Asia, uh, gives the user kind of an opiate experience, and they've been chewing that leaf and and using ST in Southeast Asia for thousands of years, and a sense of well-being, relaxation, and and it actually helps people kind of get off opiates and heroin and and whatnot, Um, and and there was one company in particular that was really just killing it out here, and we're like, let's just do uh, our own version of that, you know, and then we kind of realized Kratom was kind of one of the not sustainable, basically. It was going to be potentially shut down, yeah, you're which gonna is crazy, you know, come in, all that know, shit. Off this plant, yeah. you know, just like everything else. But, and it did, it came in and shut it down, but you know, the people, people kind of rose up and, and got it over overturned and kind of mm-hmm. back on the market, but it, it's, it's going to go away in a couple of years. So we kind of realized that was kind of, it was a risky, risky deal. And so, uh, we went and, uh, and we know some friends that have a, uh, um they're called dream brands they have like m drive out there and um good guys and you know guy his father invented Zycam and and so uh you know he knows the stuff and they had a stress release formula and uh you know we we're kind of like well we want more than this whatever and like you know we, we actually so we bought the stress form relief formula from them, and uh then just kind of added our own stuff that and, and kind of did some testing did this and that, you know, and uh, you gave it out to people, did some sampling, and we just kind of hit on, you know, our one formula in particular, people kept on coming out and asking for it, coming back, and so kind of knew we had something, so we just went forward with that, you know, so um, what's in Juby, you know, we, we at the beginning, we were kind of like, all right, what is it, like, how does it make you feel, and we just kind of, re- and we, and we kind of were like, all right, so it's a stress relief formula, and then we realized, not really, kind of, like, you can't shut the fuck up when you take it. You, it, <laughs> you, you feel like you're on fire, like you're, you're just killing stuff as far as, like, if you're going to meetings and you're blasting out emails and all that, and you just feel on the whole time. Um, and so, basically, you know, uh, we have theanine, caffeine. We have 50 mil- milligrams of caffeine, fibo, so a cup of green tea, and theanine. That's clinically shown to increase focus and decrease your stress.
0: Yeah, it's anti-anxiety.
1: Yeah, you know, and so uh, then we have 5-HTP in there. Um, we have your, your B vitamins and, and uh, chamomile um, extract, and that's kind of the, the stress relief formula, you know, and then we have um, we have a uh, derivative of amino acid that the Russians developed in the 1960s called fenibut or fenibut however you want to pronounce it. Um, basically, it was standard issue, and uh, the Cosmonauts little – little dope kit that they'd go up and, and uh, do maintenance on the, um, you know, in, in their, what, what's the deal to, in, in space, the, the space, space station. station. Yeah. yeah. So they couldn't give them value when they're going out there and doing their space walks and working, working on stuff, um, cause it would bring them down. So they gave them this sub, this amino acid, um, about it's called, and they'd go out there. Uh, it brings your stress levels down and your anxiety down while keeping you sharp. And so uh, we, we have that in there and it's all in a proprietary blend, you know. So, um, you know, obviously we know the, the dosage and milligrams and whatnot. And we just found that sweet spot. There's a lot of finabut of, of in sleep aids, but it's in a lot bigger dose and makes you go to sleep. But in the perfect dose, it's a, uh, it just helps with focus. It helps you uh, just feel just on. And in Russia, they, they sell it as a prescription for social anxiety. And so that's the biggest thing. A lot of people say, oh, I use Juby for, for, you know, to help me focus or you know, it brings down my stress when I'm traveling or with the kids all day. Um, but I think that it works best when you're in a social situation. Um, you can just walk in anywhere and feel like you can talk to anybody. You can go up to anybody and you're, and you're fine. You know, they call it the uh, Soviet smart supplement or the, the pickup drug these <laughs> guys will talk to girls then guys will go and talk talk to girls, and they're like, I've seen ugly ass dudes on that stuff go and get pull tens from the bar you know? Cause they there, you feel like you have the gift of gab on it, and it's yeah. crazy, you know, and so we uh we got that formula down and it, it, it was one of those things where you know, like I was saying earlier, i give my all if I'm trying to do something, so we're like, let's just do it we got got with the distributor, we manufactured it, you know, and we uh um you know, we did 350,000 units right at the beginning, you know, and it's stressful. You got a lot of money out there in inventory, but, you know, sold that through and, and got another truck going and it was, now we're in, uh, you know, we're in the number one shot in Arizona here in 600 Circle K's and we're in about 5,000 stores nationwide, Circle K's being a big one. Um, sell it online, try com, T-R-Y-J-U-B-I. You know, we uh, came up with a name, Jubi because, you know, you got to trademark it, obviously, and... Mm-hmm every word out there is pretty much trademarked you know so we were wa- we're doing uh, synonyms of like how it made you feel like mood enhancement like bliss whatever we put a uh, you know jubilant or jubilation on there and then my brother-in-law scratched out the elation and jubi. that's how it came, and came up and um, did the designs and just kind of ran with it and then um, you know that that first that first year I think we did close to a million in sales you know, and obviously we pumped all of that back in, you know, to to grow the company, you know. And so now we're at a pivotal time, too, where um, we're looking to do different stuff as far as kind of bring everything in-house and, and get bigger margins and not get middlemen everywhere. Just a learning process, you know, of, of uh, what I was talking about earlier. And so, uh, you know, that's – I'm on Juvie right now and can't shut the fuck up.
0: <laughs> I'm on Juvie, too. Yeah. Hell yeah, brother. Well, it is it is truly a phenomenal product. I'm excited the fact that you guys are working on different different ways that you can implement that because uh, you know, we were talking about you know, in a in a gas station an RTD might be the easiest thing to grab, yeah. but when you order something online, maybe you just want a bottle of capsules that way exactly. you can have a couple before you go into work or if you don't wanna
1: have, you know, the, if you don't want to drink something down for that matter, you can mm-hmm. just take the pills. So Well so we, we built that that infrastructure now that we can just if we have an idea, we can plug that in with minimal amount of work and you know we have those relationships now where I can go to a manufacturer and say hey this is what I'm thinking make me this formula make me this artwork that I'm giving you Um, put it all in in, you know in a box in a bottle in a capsule and uh, send me samples and just kind of go from there so it's it's really cool to see that and um, even getting into that space and in, in you know how in business they say it's all about relationships you know and I've met uh, you know and, and MMA's helped a lot you know I'll have people come up and be like oh I watch MMA what's going on Ryan and and just networking through that and I've met I've, I have a bunch of good friends now from that that business side and and they're doing big things now and then bringing us on and along for the ride too and and uh, helping us out where you know, our knowledge is lacking because we haven't been in this business and they've been in there for 30 years, you know? So for us, it's just, I mean, that's a huge, and you know that, you we were just talking about this, going down the, uh, paleo FX or whatnot and yeah. and talking to people and networking. And all of a sudden you get, you know, cause, you know, cause of your personality and, and, and knowledge and you get plugged into the right people. And all of a sudden you're doing something you a month ago, you would never even dreamed of, you know? And so, I mean, that's what it, that's what it's about. It's just, uh, it's networking it's it's having that i mean number one you got to have a. you got to be a good person you got to have that personality but um and people get drawn to that but um i mean that it's drive it, yeah it's, doing it's hard it, work you got to fucking that, walk you, the walk and yeah, learn you but know but you got it you got to have those relationships too yeah and, and you can just sit there and put your head down and grind and you'll get to where you want usually where you want to go um but just to have one door open and then you meet somebody else or whatnot I and mean, that's how it just kind of compounds and that's what i've learned like the biggest thing is and um you know it, it's i wouldn't say it's like a good old boys club but you know it's it's definitely relationships
0: 100 percent, brother yeah well thank you so much for fucking having us down here oh, i absolutely yeah. love your family love spending time with you
1: we love you buddy. good friend
0: my brother thank yeah. you my man Oh, and uh, real quick, where can we check out you on uh, for people that want to? You, you mentioned the website TryJuby.com. Yeah,
1: TryJuby.com. You can check out that. You, you know, I would wait for uh, you know sign up actually on that VIP email list, and we send out. I mean, once a month we're sending out little uh, discount um, codes and whatnot, and so uh, you you can grab a couple then, or uh, go on our store locator if you just want to try it before you buy it. Um, you know, we're it's priced at five ninety nine a bottle, five dollars ninety nine cents. And people say, oh, it's a little expensive, but the thing is it works. It, and, fucking and works. it works all day. And so uh, but you can you can check me out at uh just at Ryan Bader on Instagram, Twitter I use occasionally, you know, Facebook and uh um yeah, and just uh I try to do different stuff besides training and and uh um on social media too. So yeah, it's been a pleasure, buddy. Hell yeah, brother.
0: Thank you guys for tuning in to the On It Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Ryan Bader as much as I did. If you enjoyed it, go ahead and share it with your friends. Leave us a five star rating. Tell us what we're doing right. Or uh, just hit us up on On It. I'm on the On It Facebook Live each week, talking about different things, health and wellness related, mixed martial arts, all the good stuff. And uh, if you enjoy this podcast, really let the people know. Try to get the word out there. Thanks for listening.